Welcome to the Hot Cocoa Club, a home of original new work and classic literature. Today we have an exciting new work by Kevin Green. Please follow, subscribe and like us. Thank you. The Mysterious Death of Edna Kennard Part 1 Betty and Alice Betty stared out of her living room window. Well, she called it her living room. It was hardly that. Just the room where she spent most of her time. She scowled at the black transit van that was parked half on the pavement outside the door of her next-door neighbour. Oh, where's the dignity gone, she thought. She watched as two people appeared from the house, carrying a rudimentary coffin with a body bag shoved in it. It was unceremoniously slid in the back of the van. She shuddered. Poor Mrs. Kennard, she was the perfect neighbour, quiet and invisible, never any trouble. Surely she deserved better than being carted off in a slightly battered black transit van and a bag in a box. What do you think, Alice? Alice? Betty turned to her friend. Alice looked up and noticed Betty staring at her. Hmm? What? Oh, sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was listening to the Foo Fighters on my headphones, or whatever these things are called. Bugs, is it? Well, it sounded like bugs. Luke said I should try them, but they keep falling out. It's all a bit shouty, if I'm honest, and the singer seems to be mostly hair. I'm listening to something called Monkey Wrench. Betty sighed. She suspected that Alice's grandson Luke wasn't being very kind. She would have to have a word if it carried on. I said Edna deserved better. Better than what, dear? said Alice, staring at a new phone. Oh, better than that, said Betty, waving in the direction of the window and the black van. Oh, oh, crikey, yes, said Alice. Mind you. She never had any visitors, except, well, yes, quite, said Betty. And what on earth happened to her family? Where were they? Never once visited her, did they? Oh, no, I bet they'd turn up now for a good route through what's left, though. The bastards. Alice! Betty had rarely heard her friend swear. Alice was always so jolly and cheerful. With everything. All the time. It could get wearing. Alice was almost perfectly round when seen in profile, with a long, explosively wild white hair restrained as best she could, and her fondness for brightly coloured caftans that could make it seem as if she was hovering or moving about on a squeaky set of wheels. Oh, it has a mind of its own, dear. Whether this was her hair or capacious bottom wasn't clear although she did say it with a mischievous glint in her eye. She only had the one. Eye, that is, not bottom. It might look odd to have two or three of those. Think of the cost in Eminence knickers! The missing eye was always covered with a patch. She likened it to looking like that assassin girl in Luke's favourite kill, uh, what's-his-name film, although her eye wasn't plucked out by a martial arts master. 
She might start saying that, though. It was far more glamorous than the banal truth. Betty wasn't jolly. Ever. She viewed the world with suspicion and was generally furious with it. All the time. That's why she would drink gin until the focus went a little blurry. The gin drinking had, she had to admit, got a bit out of control. There were bottles all over the place. At least Alice didn't know. Betty was sure of that. Oh, she would need a couple of stiff ones after all the carry-on with finding Mrs. Kennard like that, and the police, and the questions, and the statements, and all that palaver. The police constable who had taken her statement was pleasant enough, but obviously bored, and looked as if he would rather be elsewhere and not having to deal with yet another death in Charterfield Close. Betty had suspected that he wasn't giving the death of Edna Kennard the respect it deserved and had gone terribly cross, which was unfortunate for the constable, who left with his ears ringing and his face burning. An earnest but nice policewoman, who looked to be about twelve years old, had come round later to ask if she was all right and ask what she had done to police constable Harris who had taken her statement, as he was refusing to come back up to the close and was still very pale and shouting about the terrible language Betty had used, saying he had never, ever been called that before, not even by the drunken yobs he had to deal with on a regular basis. The policewoman looked at Betty with a broad grin, winked, said it was all he deserved, and offered to make her a nice cup of sweet tea for the shock. Betty laughed and said that perhaps he should have the sweet tea. She would have a nice gin and tonic, thank you very much. Betty and Alice, and previously Edna Kennard, lived in a row of terraced bungalows. Well, bungalow was pushing it slightly. Bijou Bungalow Et was nearer. Each one had a tiny kitchen with a table that lived flat to the wall and pulled out when needed. This sounded eminently practical until you realise it took up the whole room, leaving no room to get around it or sit at it unless you were the thinness of a sheet of toilet tissue and not the quilted sort either. There was also a living room, a bedroom and a bathroom. Betty's bathroom was a vision in retina-burning orange. Orange bath orange toilet pedestal, orange toilet seat, orange walls and an orange floor. Going in there could ruin the colour balance of your eyes if it didn't leave you screaming in agony. Whoever designed it deserves a special orange place in hell with extra stabby Bernie demons, thought Betty viciously. She kept her eyes shut when she had to go in there, which led to some damp patches on the floor, a few nasty bruises to her knees and shins, and a few choice swear words. The kitchen had a water heater on the wall that emitted gouts of flame every so often, accompanied by a tremendous roaring to produce a tepid dribble of water. Betty didn't trust the evil thing and suspected that it was possessed. She had taken to calling it Gordon after a particularly loathsome pillar cut down at the council whom she suspected dribbled in much the same way. The residents did have private back gardens, but these were on such a steep slope that it was unwise, if not downright dangerous, to attempt the expedition to the bottom without ropes, a generous supply of Kentle mint cake, a large flask of tea and a fully charged phone. 
which would inevitably be left behind on the kitchen table. Several residents had ventured out bravely armed with said flasks of tea, shiny new trowels and trays of bedding plants, hope shining in their eyes and a determined set of their jaws, never to be seen again. There were fantastic stories told on dark winter evenings when the wind was howling of strange figures spotted in the jungle-like undergrowth holding their trowels up like a tour guide's umbrella and uttering shouts of This way, Doris! Not long now! Soon have the kettle on! The bungalows were arranged in a gentle curve and advertised as having a lovely view of the harbour. Well, yes, if you were acrobatic enough to climb up onto the chimney pot and jump up and down while brandishing a powerful telescope. Betty and Alice were not. Neither was anyone else in Charterfield Close. The Close was positioned at the top of a ridiculously steep hill, with all the shops at the bottom. Betty said that someone at the council had a very strange sense of humour, or they didn't like older people or they were just as thick as shit. Given that the residents were dropping like flies, she came down on the side of thick as shit with a side order of pensioner hatred. Old Mrs Fawcett was found dead on the hill last month. She had forgotten to take her climbing axe and crampons and had expired halfway up. The oxygen cylinder strapped to her back, mysteriously empty, and her meagre shopping scattered around her. Mr Jessop had lost control of his mobility scooter while going down the almost perpendicular hill and was found embedded in the window of Wolf and Sons estate agents, ironically staring at a glossy, sun-drenched advertisement for Charterfield clothes with glassy, dead eyes and a fixed snarl. When his scooter was examined, the brakes had been tampered with. That was the end of the first part of The Mysterious Death of Edna Kennard by Kevin Green. Please tune in again for the continuing story. This has been a Hot Cocoa Club production. Please subscribe, follow and like us. Thank you. Goodbye.